Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Yeah, LeBron has been the face of the NBA for the last 20 years. No question about that. But who's next? LeBron, what do you say? You know, we have a a great young group of guys in our league right now um, that's playing spectacular basketball and also, you know, are being, you know, great off the floor as well. But I don't think you just you just say, okay, well, this guy is the next person to be the face of anything. I just you have to just let it happen organically, and um, and see what happens. But we have some great, great players in this league um, that can carry anything if they put their minds when they want it. Well, and LeBron obviously became the face of the league years after Michael Jordan was the face of the league. But LeBron said he never viewed himself as the next MJ. I don't know because um, when I came into the league, I didn't I didn't look at myself as the face of anything. Um, you know, I didn't look at myself as the next Michael or the successor to Michael. Um, you know, I looked when I came into the league, the first thing I thought about was that I have to start over now. You know, I have built my rep in high school from my freshman year to my senior year. Um, from being a 14 year old freshman, I was 6'2", 180 pounds. And, you know, I was like, OK, well, how can I make a name for myself at St. Vincent St. Mary all the way to my senior year where I was uh, the number one player in the country? And that's the same thing I did when I got drafted. I did not come in with the mindset that I was the number one player in the country. Still, I came in with the mindset that I got to start over and I'm just one of 450 guys. Um, I think that's what allowed me to kind of just build and build and build. Um, I didn't think about being the face of the league. I knew I was being put in a position that was, um, you know, being the face of a franchise, the NBA franchise at 18 years old was very stressful. And, you know, I knew the, the odds were stacked up against me and a lot of people wanted to see me fail. And I just kind of used that as like motivation. There is a number 23, LeBron James, who said he never had any interest in being like Mike. Um, anyway, so. I mean, this hold on, hold on. There's so much there. Though. <laughs> yeah, there's there a lot. There is so there's much there in what yeah, he just said. so ridiculous. Like, like, I mean, we got to start with him being a 6'2", 180-pound freshman in high school. That is huge. <laughs> that is, like, seriously, that is huge. I, my senior year, I was 185 pounds in high school. This dude was a 6'2", 180-pound freshman? Are you serious? He's absolutely humongous. That is crazy to me. Secondly, like we, we had billboards of LeBron James it, it, that said witness. Like when they were doing the Nike campaign and they were rolling that out after he got drafted. I mean, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as the chosen one. And then he got that tattooed on his back and then didn't miss any opportunities to show off said tattoo. I got, I don't understand how LeBron James didn't anticipate becoming the face of the NBA when all he's done his entire basketball career is measuring himself up against Michael Jordan. Yeah, does he- like, That's the thing. I, I, I appreciate the greatness of LeBron James, but when he says things like this, this is what adds fuel to the fodder for the haters. When he's tone deaf, when he doesn't show that level of awareness, knowing – that everybody anticipated that he would be the guy that would rival Michael Jordan's greatness in the NBA. Like, I, I don't understand how all of a sudden he didn't look at himself as the face of the NBA or future face of the NBA once he got drafted in the league, 
with the first overall pick <laughs> by his hometown franchise. Does he think that we forget or that the internet doesn't exist? Because how can you think that you can say that, that you didn't anticipate being the face of the league when, as you said, CeCe, you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated as the chosen one. You were quite literally anointed by us, the royal we, to be the successor in the NBA and it was laminated. It, it was stamped that way on one of the biggest publications in the sports world. Well, like, how, yeah, how normal, can you normal say that? high schooler smalls? They don't drive silver Hummers to high school. <laughs> That's right. They don't. It's not. It's not normal. Well, maybe now yeah. it's a little bit more normalized. Yeah. But back then, it certainly wasn't. You got to feel badly for him that somebody held him down and put the tattoo in his back of the chosen one. I mean, he didn't <laughs> sign up for it himself. I mean, and you really, you know, he gets, a, you know, LeBron hasn't done enough to pick his own number. He's been assigned number 23. Like, he just, you know, he was just assigned that. I mean, that was what the a, last jersey they had. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. All, the, all the other had. numbers. Well, all right, fine. It's the same one as Michael. Give me a break. And, that, and you know what? Here's, you know, everything you guys said dead on, right? Totally agree with it. Great observations all around. I want to add one more observation here that is actually a compliment to LeBron, but it also proves how he's just not telling the truth. What he said is so brilliant about once I got to that next level, I had to then start over. There is no way you recognize that in that moment at 18 or 19 years old. You recognize that now, right? That is such a brilliant thing. The, the higher you go up in your professional life, when CC gets drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, he's nothing. When he's at Virginia, he's everything. You have to start over and make yourself into something. There's no way an 18-year-old has that kind of perspective. So now you have that looking back upon it, right? He, LeBron James is a brilliant dude, which makes what he does so insulting. I've always said he's the worst advertisement for the education system in the United States. He didn't go to school, and he's smarter than all of us that went to school. But so you can't keep insulting us with this stuff. Like, we know how smart you are. We know how calculated you are. You are a Harvard-educated person without ever going to Harvard. You can't think we're this dumb. Just come out there and say, yeah, of course, I grew up wanting to be like Mike, like everyone else my age. And I'm the one that got lucky enough to be in a position where people have considered me like Mike. What a compliment for me. It's, it's wild to me, Ev, because you're, you're spot on with everything that you're saying. And here's the thing that just, that, that just drives home the point that we're all making. LeBron James had people following him around with cameras in high school. Yeah. How else do we have these documentaries about LeBron James already? You mean he didn't like call the, more, the cops the more than the a game documentary where they're following St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Like, how else do we have all of this behind-the-scenes footage? Because there was somebody that was documenting your greatness even back then. Because you always knew that you would be considered an all-time great. <laughs> It's ridiculous to think that you would at some point think you would be the face of the league. Stop yourself. That's also like him saying that he doesn't necessarily love the attention, which I thought was. Oh, my God. Also that's that's, that's Come ridiculous. Come on. Like, why would you even say that? I don't know. What is so wrong with him being so great at so many things, just being the true version of himself? Like, what, what is I, I'm serious. Like, what is what do we think he's afraid of? He has been ridiculed more than any other athlete, and he's been praised more than any other athlete because he's been in the spotlight at the highest level more than any other athlete arguably in history, right? Tiger, I would say, you know, right there. But, like, we've said all we could say about LeBron James. He's arguably the second greatest player of all time, and he is a brilliant man and a brilliant businessman, and based on what he allows us to see, an A-plus family man. Why, why can't he just be him? What am I missing on but, this? What, what because, because he said, Ev, you just answered your own question. 
He's sensitive about it, as are most athletes when it comes to how they're perceived and how they're going to be remembered. Like, think about how crafted LeBron James has been since he stepped into the limelight. Like, like a part of what you're talking about, the criticism that you have toward him, is why he was able to be one of these athletes without scandal. An athlete that doesn't have a lot of baggage that comes alongside him. It's because he is so careful, crafted. He is so careful. He is so meticulous in everything that he does and how he moves and everything that he says. So, I mean, what, 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 what when you come off as inauthentic or disingenuous, it, it, it ends up being a defense mechanism of sorts from any criticism that you could have toward him. But he doesn't realize that it opens himself up to even more criticism because here we are on Unsportsmanlike talking bad about him. But here's the thing. He's the second greatest player to have ever lived. The only person, in my opinion, to truly rival Michael Jordan's greatness. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's him and MJ in the room and nobody else. But when it comes to the face of the league, it feels like there has been this handoff from MJ to LeBron James, and now we're wondering who's the next guy in line. And for my money, I think that guy ends up being Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves. And if I have to put money on it, I think it's going to be Victor Wembanyama because I think that there's a lot of parallels there with LeBron James, the hype surrounding Wemby before he came into the NBA, the uniqueness in what we see of him physically and in his game. Like listening to his peers talk about how special he is leads me to believe that he could be that guy. I just think that he's somebody that if he doesn't meet those expectations, just like LeBron was that guy, we would have been disappointed. If the the guy who's on the cover of Sports Illustrated as the chosen one didn't turn into the player that he is now, we would have been disappointed. It would have been considered a failure. And I think those same expectations are there for Victor Wembanyama. I think he would never admit it, but I think Adam Silver, the commissioner of the league, would be disappointed if it wasn't Wembanyama. It may be Anthony Edwards, and that would be a great thing because he's got a great personality. He's fun, high-flying, etc. But I think that Victor Wembanyama is the player that if Adam Silver could handpick the next face of the league, it would have to be him. International, unique, seven foot five, well beyond his years, like LeBron in terms of his his approach, his interaction with people, just the way he carries himself. I think that is if Adam Silver could place it and and push someone, I think that's who he would push. I think Wembanyama has everything you would want to be the face of the league. Here's the likelihood. It's probably not going to be Edwards, and it's probably not going to be Wembenyama. Then who? I don't know, but it feels like it's not going to be someone obvious because for years it was Zion, and then it was Luka, and then it was Giannis, and then Jokic wins a championship last year, and Jokic, almost trout-like, is like, please don't cover me. Yeah, he doesn't want please, to be the face. He please, want I, I want nothing to do with you guys thinking I'm good. Just think I'm terrible. I don't care. Like, it almost feels like it's going to be somebody that we're not expecting. People have brought up John Morant. I think John Morant has lost the um, the right to have that claim right now based on some of the off-the-court the stuff. Now, he may regain it at some point, but I don't think you could put him in that conversation. The game yeah. is Steph and, and KD. We can't say it's them because it's you know towards the end of their career. I just think Edwards got the personality. I love that pick, and I think Wembenyama is the hand-picked one if they could choose somebody. Well, here's the thing about Wemby, and, and uh, it's hard to say that a big man is going to be the face of the league. If this was 40 years ago, I'd say absolutely. But I just I, I think the Jokic of it all goes counter to your argument that it should be Wembenyama. Jokic is a multiple-time MVP. He's probably going to win his third MVP this year. He's won a championship and yet nobody is ready to put him as the face of the NBA. So I think it has to be somebody whose game is aesthetically appealing. 
And I think Anthony Edwards provides that with some of the high-flying acts, some of the dunks, the flair mm-hmm. that he plays with overall. I think having that mass appeal, being in movies, being a part of pop culture, that matters in terms of being able to have that crossover and being somebody that's propped up as the face of the NBA. And here's the other thing we got to consider with Webb and Yama versus, versus Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is 22 years old, and his team has the best record in the Western Conference, which is the tougher of the two conferences. I think team success is going to matter, especially early on. Like some of the people that have been considered as faces of the NBA, Michael Jordan, team success early on, even though it took a while to break through with the Detroit Pistons. Magic Johnson won a championship in his first year. I mean, LeBron James went to the NBA Finals in his age 22 season. So team success is going to matter especially in the postseason for the guy that's going to be propped up as the face of the league. I just think Anthony Edwards has a better chance at being able to accomplish all of those things than Wemby. Current faces of the league very quickly. So Mahomes, obviously, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. LeBron, obviously, in, in NBA. Is Otani the face Showhead, of the league? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Face of the league in for baseball. Sure. And so two of those three sports have a next 10 years because you would assume Otani and, and Mahomes are going to play. Right, so the current faces may be the faces for the next five to ten years. That's where the NBA is obviously trying to figure this out. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again. By visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It really is amazing how the NFL has figured out ways of doing the face of the league handoff. They just went from Brady to Mahomes with no time in between, and they played each other in the Super Bowl. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really remarkable because, like, we're having this conversation about LeBron and the NBA, and the NBA has more talent today than maybe they've ever had, arguably, yet yeah. you're just trying to figure out who's the top dog of that talent. And the NFL is just like, all right, we got the greatest of all time, never do it. Hey, here, hand it to the next guy who, as Smalls has said, is the goat in waiting. And do so by playing each other in a, maybe the greatest AFC championship game I've ever seen, and then in the Super Bowl where you're playing for a different team, Brady, against Mahomes. Oh, okay. Yeah, now yeah. I got it, and I'll just win a bunch of Super Bowls as well. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, and then the guy who who is the second half of that equation continue to have success. Yeah, because like we look at it as Michael to LeBron, and it feels that way a little bit. 
But there was a lot of time in between. I mean, Kobe and Tim Duncan were, were great faces for the league, different, obviously, stylistically. But there were some down years in there in the NBA until we got to LeBron being the face of the league. 888-SAY-ESPN is the telephone number to be a part of the show. Jeff in Wisconsin listening on the ESPN app. What's up, Jeff? Hey, so thanks for taking my call. Um, love you guys. Um, I would have said Giannis would be the next face of the NBA until the Bucks fired Adrian Griffin and hired Doc Rivers. Mm. Now, that's not a slight on Doc Rivers as a person, but good Lord. I have to imagine 29 te- I have to imagine 29 teams in the league were laughing at my bucks when they did that. Oh, I just I don't I, I know. Don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I don't know that everybody was laughing at the bucks, but I think to go back to the Giannis one, that's an interesting thing. I don't think Giannis is a heel by any stretch of the imagination. But, CeCe, I, I am sensing a little bit of a Giannis heel turn in kind of our perception towards him. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. he's – and I know his documentary is out today, I believe, on Prime. Like, it's, you know, it's a great family story, which he, of course, has. But I get the sense that there's, like, a tiny bit of a heel turn going on with Giannis right now because of all the coaching moves and just the, the need to win a championship right now. Yeah, championship coach got fired. Mm-hmm. Then the coach that you hired after him got fired before the All-Star break. And now you're turning to Doc Rivers and your team feels like it's headed toward disaster this year because you don't play defense. This is not great to have on your resume if you're Giannis, especially after the organization trades for another all-time great, another Hall of Famer in Damian Lillard, who's still in the heart of his prime. So, I mean, a lot of what's happening now around Giannis can take some of the shine off of the multiple MVPs and him winning a title. And that's what's going to be curious about moving forward. But I think I think it's fair to say that he's crossed off the list in terms of who the face of the league becomes post-LeBron James. I don't think it's going to be him. I, I, I just don't see that. Now, something about that could change over the next several months if they're able to figure it out and go on a deep playoff one, win another title, then – all of a sudden, well, I'm willing to revisit the conversation. But as we sit here today, I don't see Giannis as being the next face of the NBA. I totally agree with you. I also think LeBron is going to be around long enough where it's going to be like on the, like at the point LeBron leaves, Giannis will have like a one percent decline, right? So it's yeah. all, you know he's going to get a little bit worse at that point or different at that point. All right, as we get ready for the second part of the season here, which begins Thursday night, Smalls has a list of stars. And we can debate which one needs a championship the most and whether or not these guys really have the pressure on them to win a title, Smalls. First one up, Jason Tatum, Boston Celtics, my St. Louis guy. What do you think? How much pressure is on Jason Tatum to win a championship? Man, he got the weight of the world on his shoulders. I mean, it, it's got to happen for Jason Tatum. We've been talking about this dude being next up for a minute, minute. I mean, going back to, what was it, three or four years ago when he was in that conference finals against the Cavs and LeBron James and he lost on his home court, like – it's been a minute with Jace, with JT. Like, he's gotten to an NBA Finals, come up short. He's got to break through. He's got to get a title in the worst way. This is probably the best supporting cast that he's had around him since they added Drew Holiday and Christoph Porzingis this offseason. He's already got another all-NBA caliber player in his running mate in Jalen Brown. 
Jason Tatum has got to get a title in the worst way. I totally agree with you. I understand he's only 25 years old, but he's seven years into his career. He's had multiple teams that have gotten to the conference finals, multiple different ways of getting there. You know, he was on the team with Irving and Hayward. They got there, and then obviously the recent teams with Marcus Smart, and now they make these moves. My God, I, I basically pick Jason Tatum to win MVP every single year. Yeah. And every single year I get it wrong, they got to win a title this year. We talk about guys who could be the face of the league. I feel like Jason Tatum is right there, too. You know, he's he's everything you would want in a superstar. He does great things off the court with charity. He's a great dad to Deuce. Deuce is always around. He does so many things right. But until he gets over that hump and wins a championship, I don't feel like we can fully put him in that conversation. And you know what, Smalls? He's been around so long, I think people – try to age him out of the next up conversation. Yeah. He's only 25 years old. Uh, he's crazy. so young. Like he's, only, like he's only 25 years old. But that's how great he's been early on, is that we, we just assume he's older. I, I, I'll say it this way. How about this? I think this is maybe a more glaring way of looking at it. If they don't get it done this year, he will get Jason, excuse me, he will get Jalen Brown traded. That's what will happen. That wow. they will look at that contract, it's enormous, and say, okay, well, somehow this is not, it should work, and I wouldn't trade Jalen Brown, but if they don't get it done this year with this group, I wonder if they break up that Jalen Brown contract into multiple pieces to try to help. Next one. Next one, Damian Lillard. We talked a lot about Giannis, but how much pressure does Dame have on him to win a championship? It's funny. I think there's actually more pressure on Giannis, more pressure on Giannis to make it work than for Dame to make it work. And the reason why I say that is because Giannis was the one that 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 pressured the organization, which led to them firing Coach Bud. Giannis is the one that pressured the organization by not being willing to agree to a contract extension until the 11th hour. Like there, There's been a lot of, uh, of Giannis applying pressure behind the scenes, and that, that was the impetus for the Damian Lillard trade. I don't know that there's as much pressure on Dame to deliver a title under these circumstances. Not more, not more so than Giannis has pressure on him to win in Milwaukee. I think there was more of a basketball reason that Dame wanted to go to Miami than we've ever acknowledged. In Miami, all, the defensive principles are always there forever. In addition, he would have been arguably the best player on the team. He goes yes. to Milwaukee. He's not the best player on the team. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's better than Jimmy Butler in a big moment, but... It, 90% of people would say Dame's better than Jimmy Butler, right? That's yeah. fine. Nobody would say that Dame's better than Giannis. So I think part of the, the what CeCe said is right, of the lack of pressure in comparison to Giannis, he's not the best player on the team. We didn't just yeah. ask how much pressure is Jalen Brown to win a title. Right. We asked Jason Tatum. So he's the second best player on the team. We never asked that question about pressure to win a title. Well, what about Kevin Durant? What would winning a title without Steph, without the Warriors, do for KD's legacy? I mean, if you do it for the Suns, that'd be huge. I mean, like, how many times have the Suns gotten to a finals and not gotten it done across multiple stars, across multiple eras of the NBA? If they were able to pull this off with KD, D-Book, and, and Brad Beal, and KD as the, the, the driving force behind that run, then, yeah, I, I would give him a lot of credit. I'd probably give him more credit than the two titles in Golden States with the two finals MVPs. That's as far as I'd be willing to go with one title in Phoenix and how much it would mean because that would mean Kevin Durant – was a part of not only being a great player on a great team, but being a part of a culture changer with the organization. I love Kevin Durant. It doesn't feel like there's that much pressure on him. I got to be honest with you. Really? Like, it just feels like the Suns are not top of mind as much as I thought they would be this year. Because we have the upstart teams in Minnesota and OKC. The Clippers have been phenomenal. We focus on the Warriors and Lakers so much. 
and the Nuggets are the defending champs. I almost feel like we forget about the Suns a little bit. So I don't think there's that much pressure on them this year, as crazy as that may sound. Mm. Well, it sounds like it is an indictment on Kevin Durant. Think I love Katie. Yeah. Post, go, post Golden State, it was a disaster in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and then it's meh at your next stop in Arizona after you ask out. I mean, that's not good. it's not good for your rep, and it's not yeah. good for your legacy. I think I've, there's a lot of pressure on I've actually. always said my biggest issue with Durant in terms of his team changing, I had a much bigger issue with him leaving Golden State than I did with him going to Golden State. I, ne- I could not understand why you'd want to leave that circumstance, especially to join the player that he joined in Brooklyn, in Irving. Yeah, no but I guess, I guess my point is if you are as good as everybody says you are right. and you get parachuted into two different situations with two all-NBA caliber players at each stop. I mean, in Brooklyn, it was Kyrie and James Harden. In, in Phoenix, it's Devin Booker and, and Brad Beal. If you're not able to make it work at either spot, then we start looking at you a little funny. I, and I, I think we're on the verge of that happening if KD doesn't go on a deep playoff run with the Suns. I think you're 1,000% right that the masses will do that, but I still give him a ton of credit for what happened in Golden State. I thought he was phenomenal. Those teams were so good. But I think what you just said, the masses will absolutely agree with everything you just said. All right, coming up, there are two players in sports that over the last 24 to 48 hours gave us the indication – not that into their sport at all times. We'll get to that next. It's Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Puts it off the board, rushed home by the Greek Freak. Who do you think is the biggest X factor in the East? Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis thrives against playing the best competition. Giannis cutting down the lane. Big throwdown with a right hand. He's incredible. And then you're like, I think he can be even better. Giannis is incredible. Can he be better? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe if he changes some things. So people like Smalls and I and everyone listening that's not CC or not a former athlete, we look at athletes in a light that we don't really actually know, right? We assume things about athletes Mm -hmm. and ex-athletes, and then you get to know them and you understand more and more um, about them. But there's two pieces of audio that we wanted to play that CC has to help us understand how normal this is amongst athletes around sports, okay? This all happened within the last 24 to 48 hours. So Giannis Antetokounmpo was at the All-Star Game, of course, Eastern Conference, and talked about uh, watching basketball or really not watching basketball. I just, in general, do not watch basketball. So stats, highlights, how people play, I have no idea. And I, I love it, you know. 
I love it when I go to the game. I have no idea who I'm playing and what they do. Stats, highlights, I ignore it. I go to the game. I have no idea who I'm playing and how they're playing. Okay, that's interesting. The second one here is Anthony Rendon, an Angels uh, infielder who won a World Series years ago with the Nats, who then signed a seven-year, $245 million contract with the Angels and said this yesterday at spring training. That's never been a top priority for me. This is a job, so I do this to make a living. Uh, My faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure. This is my job. I'm here, aren't I? Do you want to be here? I don't want to talk to you guys at <laughs> seven in the morning or whatever time <laughs> it is. So, Did you, I mean, do you want? I mean, do you want to like be here playing baseball? I have baseball? answered your question. So why do you keep picking at it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you technically answered it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Cece, you hear these two things. Fans sit there and are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this." How normal or abnormal is this? Well, I mean, it's it's becoming increasingly normal. I, I think there's a difference with this generation of athlete versus the athlete from 10, 20 years ago. Um, but but certainly, you know, what Giannis expressed, you know, guys being hyper-focused on what they do and not necessarily concerned with their their opponents or what's going on with other rivals around the league, I, I think that's that's more commonplace than a lot of folks would, would be led to believe when it comes to professional sports. Now, the Anthony Rendon thing, I think, is just a little bit ridiculous. Everybody knows that your you know your family is prioritized over the sport that you play, but I do think there's space in 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 there to be a fan of the game as well as to be high functioning and, and to to play at a really high level. So that's the part that throws me off a little bit with where Anthony Rendon was taking this. I could just tell you, based on when I played, like we would get together as teammates and go watch high school football games because we love ball that much. We would get together and watch Monday night football, you know, at the wing spot. Like that was just the things that we did. Like we loved the game of football. And I'm not to say that this generation of athletes doesn't love ball, but I just think the way that they, they express that and, and, and the way that they spend their time away from actually competing is different than when I was in it. Can you tell like, could you tell if you were playing with guys, playing against guys, like, oh, this guy doesn't love it at all. Like, I, I know I well, have an edge. Well, here's the thing, guy. Ev. I don't want to take it to who doesn't love it. I think there is, a, there is the, the prioritizing of, of balance, work-life balance. And they look at athletics and being a professional athlete as a business, like Anthony Rendon said, more so than anything else. And so I think they, they, they want to make sure that they maintain that balance, they maintain other interests. And, you know, I think in a society as a whole, we're in a place now where people are prioritizing work-life balance. And, and so if you're playing ball and you're spending hours upon hours in meetings watching film, sometimes the last thing you want to do is go home and turn on the TV and watch the game. But because the casual sports fan is like, how could you not love watching the game and you have an opportunity to play a kid's game and make a really good living, that, that's a hard thing for us to square. So... I get both sides of this thing, and I would just tell you that it's it's increasingly becoming the sentiment amongst professional athletes that they want to be able to have downtime away from sport when they're not actually competing. 
Yeah, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I actually think that this is incredibly healthy from both of these guys. I really do, because we live in a society now where work is expected to be 24-7, and I think a lot of people are really overwhelmed, and a lot of people are experiencing burnout, and that doesn't just apply to us. It applies to athletes as well. And yeah, I, I think- apparently the Dallas Cowboys. It, the Dallas Cowboys, too. I mean, they, they were tired, CC. Come on, give them a break at the end of the season. But I think to go into this and say, yeah, it's a job. It's my craft. I'm going to pour everything into it that I have while I'm required to be at work, but then do the same thing in my personal life and take a beat. I think that's good for your mental health. And I think it's good for clarity. And I think overall, holistically, a lot of people would benefit from taking that approach to their job and their craft. I'm not saying you're wrong in any way, shape or form. In fact, you're probably right. I can just tell you as a fan, like short for fanatic, what Anthony Rendon said is a turnoff. Like, I wouldn't be excited if my team went and got him because I'm going to ignorantly make up in my head this guy doesn't care as much as the guy next to him does. That may not be true, but that's where my mind goes as a fan, right, in a fanatical sense. The Giannis one I almost don't believe. Like, he, he doesn't know he's playing that night. Like, he doesn't, I mean, come on. Maybe it's a bit of a hyperbole. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he knows who he's playing, and I'm sure he's watched tape. I mean, he's not Johnny Manziel, who openly did not watch any tape for the Cleveland Browns, right? Like, I just have a hard time believing that Giannis doesn't know who he's playing and what that person is going to do. Yeah, I'm sure he's prepared for the game. I took it more as, this is not my hobby. Like, it is my job, but I'm not actively watching other teams in my downtime. I'm doing other things. You're right. I guess, CeCe, then I have to ask you, I want to ask you a question on this. Do you have to, in some ways, be unhealthy to be the greatest at your sport? Is there an unhealthy nature of, like, everything has to go but this sport in order to really reach the top of that field? I don't know that everything has to go. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And he's at the top of the sport in the NFL. I mean, uh, I guess if you wanted to make that case, you could look at Tom Brady, you could look at Michael Jordan, you could look at Tiger Woods and say, yeah, Things from a personal life standpoint ain't exactly what you would script, but but I don't know that you've gotta you've gotta be that obsessive in order to be the best at whatever it is that you do. You gotta be passionate about it. You've gotta be intentional about it, and, and I think that we're seeing that a little bit with LeBron James. I mean, he he's a family man, but he's also passionate about ball, and he's also passionate about his businesses away from basketball. So I, I think there's room for all of it. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, having a plan and being disciplined enough to execute that plan. And I think in a lot of instances where athletes get themselves in trouble is that they try to do too much and they're not as disciplined in terms of their, how they prioritize the things that are most important. Yeah, we see LeBron James taking care of his body and being prepared to an unnatural amount. He spends, what, over a million dollars a year on the body and being ready to play. But he's still Mm -hmm. there at his son's games. He's still there for his family. He's very visible in the fact that he somehow finds a way to do it all. But I, I do think, to your point, Evan there has to be some sort of sacrifice made. Like this job is, Cece, you could tell us more than I can, but all-consuming in so many ways that for you to reach that elite level, that rarefied air, we don't see it, but there are sacrifices that have to be made at some point. Yeah, and it's usually the people that are around you that are doing the sacrificing, right, Smalls? Mm -hmm. Like it's usually the family members. Like it's those people that end up coming up short. I remember listening to Kobe Bryant talk about it after he retired, and he was saying, yeah, this this part of my life now is for my family. 
just because I haven't been there, I haven't been the kind of husband I needed to be. I hadn't been the kind of father I needed to be. I hadn't been the kind of friend that I needed to be because I obsessed over basketball so much. And, and so I do think that, you know, the people in your circle end up bearing the brunt of a lot of the sacrifices that the professional athlete has to make in order to be the best as they possibly can be. But I can tell you as somebody that's lived it, I wanted to squeeze all of the toothpaste out of the tube. Mm-hmm. So my parents, my family, friends, relationships, like those are things suffered to some degree because I wanted to maximize this finite period of time where I could monetize my athletic ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I tend to lean in that direction, what CeCe just said, and I think there has to be a level of obsession in order to have that level of greatness. I just don't think in any profession. I don't like. I think you actually have to love what you are doing, and it's weird because Rendon is kind of where this started. The guy made a seven-year, $245 million deal and won a World Series and doesn't feel like he's obsessed with the sport. Maybe I'm reading. Well, it the he ain't wrong played way. a lot of baseball the last four years, yeah. though. Since he left Washington, he's played in 200 games in four seasons. Just saying. Yeah. Right. And he's, so he's clearly not obsessed with right. baseball. Right. And, and so what you just did is is a thousand percent right. And also maybe jumping the gun a little bit, but he has led us into this. We don't he has led us into is he hurt? Does he not want to play? He may be as as hurt as could be. Like oh, not yeah, he hurt. To... He got a motivator cuff injury. He hurt. <laughs> he hurt. Sports well, like that's amazing. Radio. <laughs> now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. All right, time to win some money. Canty's best bet. I'm talking down the field, y'all. We're chasing that bag, y'all. Of the night. <laughs> yeah, we missed our play tonight by just this much last night. Just this much. UVA lost by 34 oh boy. at Virginia Tech. Oh, that Just all? this much. Had them on the money line. They lost by just this much. 34 points. Second worst loss in the Tony Bennett era of UVA basketball. Oh, man. But they'll figure out a way to beat Carolina at home this weekend, which is a top 10 team. That's just kind of how fluky UVA basketball has been these last couple of years. But we're going to go back to college hoops, and we're going to go to the Big East. So we're switching conferences from the ACC to the Big East. I guess Virginia Tech once upon a time was the Big East. But anyway, going to the Big East, matchup between the number one team in the standings versus the number three team in the standings. UConn, Creighton. UConn on the road, but I'm taking UConn on the money line. And we're going to parlay that with over 144.5 points. So UConn on the money line, and we're going to go over 
144.5 total points in the game. Pays out at plus 212. He survived a terrible, terrible moment in our history. The most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. That was terrible. Was not a great look. All right, unsportsmanlike moments of the day where we find something different, unique, quirky that we like to give you guys. We got a bunch today. All right, so the Daytona 500 was yesterday. William Byron, who's going to be a guest today on um, Carlin versus Joe, noon until 3 Eastern time here on ESPN Radio, was interviewed by our very own Ryan McGee, Marty McGee Weekends here on ESPN Radio, after winning the race. And William Byron revealed something about himself that um, I didn't know was possible as training to be a NASCAR driver. William Byron, you have won the Daytona 500. What's up? I can't believe it, man. It's uh, this is incredible. I I had a much different background than you know anybody in the sport growing up, racing on iRacing on the computer, and uh, to make it to the Daytona 500 and win the race is pretty amazing. He grew up racing on iRacing on the computer as training to win the Daytona 500. You're nodding your head, Smalls. You know about this? I don't know what this is. I'm nodding my head because it worked. <laughs> Clearly, iRacing. So you can train, like, virtually now? Yeah. And be able to be good enough to win a Daytona 500. Is that possible? I mean, I guess it is possible. I mean, you can't simulate certain aspects of it, but you can know the course and the turns and things like that. You can you can try and simulate as much of it as possible. <laughs> Just say you can know the course. Yeah, I don't know. What's it called? The track? <laughs> but I oh, go. Here comes the left. Oh, look imagine? out. Here comes another left. Uh, have you not seen Cool Runnings? They did the same thing. Left, right, left, right. They know. They knew the turns. But Shot I got begging lefts all day. But I guess they're making lefts all the time. Shout out to Leon. He's begging in that lefts all day in NASCAR. I mean, could you imagine, Cece, if you trained to play football on iFootball? <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to go to the NFL. You mean Madden? Play. Well, yeah. Okay. That's a good way of looking at it. Yes. Like Madden. Madden gets yeah. you to the NFL? Come on. Uh, Probably not. Probably not, but I mean, in terms, I don't know. I, I have no idea, but I, I I feel like this isn't the first race car driver that we've heard this from. Like, I feel like there are other race car drivers that have used simulators and, and used video games to kind of, you know, get, get I, I guess, familiar with the craft in a different way. I, I'm not sure how that helps. I've never driven in a race car before, but I mean, if, if multiple players at the pinnacle of the sport are claiming that it helps them in some way, shape, or form, then good on them for being able to do that. What I know is that playing Madden ain't going to help you tackle Adrian Peterson. It's not going to help you sack Tom Brady. Just putting that out there. Okay. All right. Uh, Next one. So this video has gone viral over the last 24 to 48 hours or so, but it's actually from late January. There was a middle schooler, a seventh grader by the name of J.J. Frank in North Dakota that at a game made a layup a free throw, and a half-court shot in a row without missing at Bishop Ryan Catholic School to win a $10,000 prize. Now, the accomplishment is amazing. My first takeaway, high schools have these contests where you can win the $10,000 prize at a high school? That's your takeaway? Yes. My takeaway takeaway is how electric it is. This is absolutely electric footage that we just showed on the television side. I'm saying that at 12 years old, $10,000, that's amazing. What would you do with the money at 12 years old? Well, back in my day, I'd go to the candy store, and then I'd go to Sam Goody. We're getting all the CDs. Hello. $10,000 worth of items at Sam 
Goody. All right. What um, are you guys doing? At 12? Anything different? Pizza. A lot of pizza. I'm just getting an insane amount of pizza. That's what I would get. That's what I spent money on at yeah, that point. Candy clothes and sneakers. Sneakers. I would have had every pair of Air Maxes, every pair of Jordans. Oh, yeah. The Air nice. Maxes were good then. Yeah, the Air Maxes. When Michigan went to the Final Four, those black Nike Air Maxes were unbelievable at that time. Those were the hottest the Air Max sneakers. 95 is the best Air Max that was ever made. Air Max 95. Okay. Um, no. All right, next one. So there was a brawl, an absolute brawl last night in college basketball. I mean a melee. Uh, in- Incarnate Word, is that how you say the name of the, t- the school? Yeah. Incarnate Word and Texas Commerce finish a, finish a game, Texas A&M Commerce. Texas A&M Commerce wins the game 76-72, and an all-out melee took place. Like, literally everyone on the court going crazy and after what we saw, or didn't see, I guess, with Isaiah Stewart of the Pistons um, last week and the Suns, and there was police involvement, I'm going to assume, guys, there's going to be police involvement in this melee um, from last night. Texas A&M Commerce, Incarnate Word, everybody going crazy on the court. Is that really a melee, though? Well, in for basketball terms, it is. No, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, you say that in basketball terms. Remember the malice in the palace. That was a melee. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this qualifies as a melee skirmish. Yeah. Okay. I'm with that a little bit. I don't. I don't know that this raises to the level of melee. Okay. Well, now you're gonna make me uh, make you do something. Give What's me up? the rankings of terminology for fight slash brawls. So it goes skir- skirmish. Skirmish can't be the lowest. What's the lowest? Tussle. Tuss- oh, tussle, tussle, yes. Then, Good one, then skirmish, <laughs> yeah. Brawl, then melee. Is there I mean, four I feel levels? Like there's got to be a level between skirmish and brawl. Yeah, right? I agree. But yeah, what there's got to be something in between that. Where does altercation fit in here? Mm, good one, Pat. I, I like the sophistication of altercation. Let's, let's slot altercation between skirmish and brawl. Altercation, brawl, and then melee. So there you go. Is there anything above melee? No. Melee is the highest one? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, Now, final thing. Remember earlier today, people go back on the podcast and listen on the ESPN app. We're talking about climbing Mount Everest and how psycho these people are. Yeah. Um, I believe somebody you played against in the NFL who's a great player, Jimmy Graham, may be on this list of crazy people. He's doing the Arctic Challenge. He is like rowing or whatever he's doing across the Arctic Ocean for miles on end. Why? Why? Well, it seems like he wants to inspire the next generation to push beyond their limiting beliefs and chart their own course. Okay, you're reading his tweets, Smalls. <laughs> I get it. What are we doing? Uh, why? You're an NFL. This, this guy is an adventurer. That's for sure. He flies planes. He, I mean, this is crazy. Jimmy. You're but a see, you know what? You know what I don't, don't, you know do what I don't like though, Ev. I hate that people put me in this position because they're doing something like this that's so risky. But and then if but. something goes left, <laughs> then I have to feel bad for him. I hate being in that position. I hate it. Just don't do it. So dumb. Just don't do don't it. Don't put yourself in risk. Don't put yourself in harm's way. Stop can't it. can't somebody stand in front of this guy? An Arctic? Uh, what are you? Six mile, miles on end in the Arctic Ocean? Why? What could go wrong? Why what not? could go Why right? Not? That actually should what be the question. Is what could go right in this case? You finish it. Greedy <laughs> coming up next. We're on to Wednesday. We're on Sportsman like on ESPN Radio. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.